I'm now joined by Tony Bancroft, Portfolio Manager and Research Analyst at Gabelli Funds, who currently offers five ETFs, about $30 million in assets, though, of course, Gabelli is under Gamco Investors, which includes Gabelli Funds and Gamco Asset Management. Altogether, over $30 billion in assets under management. And Tony is the portfolio manager on the Gabelli Commercial Aerospace and Defense ETF, ticker symbol GCAD, which just launched earlier this year. And he's now joining me from New York. Tony, it's a, a pleasure. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Nathan. It's great to be uh, great to be speaking with you today. Okay, so we'll obviously get into the aerospace and defense ETF in a moment, but I have to start by noting for listeners that you previously served in the United States Marine Corps as an F-A-18 Hornet fighter pilot, which, uh, by the way, thank you for your uh, service. But I'd love to start by hearing a little more about that experience and uh, sort of your path from the Marine Corps to becoming a portfolio manager at Gabelli. That's just not something you see every day. Yeah, well, th- thanks for that, Nathan. It was an honor to serve. And, um, um, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I loved, uh, you know, I, I, I always said I, I loved uh, I loved it because I loved the mission and the people. And, um, uh, you know, I, I started out, I went to uh, the Naval Academy and um, uh Spent four years there doing engineering, systems engineering, and you know you uh, after par- part of part of the agreement to um, uh, if, when you when you accept an appointment to the Naval Academy, you um, you are obligated to serve uh, post post graduation, and I always knew I wanted to serve. My father was a, um, a lieutenant in Vietnam, a Vietnam vet, uh, and I had obviously uncle. I had some uncles and, and other relatives that served in, in Vietnam and in the other wars. And um, just always had that deep sense of, um, you know, sort of duty to our country. And so I, after graduation, I was fortunate enough to receive a, um, a, marine, a marine aviation billet. Um, but first you go down to Quantico, Virginia, and spend about six months um, uh, rolling around in the mud and learning to uh, be a Marine infantry officer and, and essentially everything that's at the Marine Corps' disposable at the battalion level for, for a uh, infantry battalion um, and then from there, you, um, I, had, I headed down south to Pensacola, Florida, the uh, cradle of Navy, naval aviation, and learned how to fly. Uh, uh, started learning how to fly as a student naval aviator. Started out in a T-34, and then uh, was fortunate enough to get um, a jet slot and went to Murray, Mississippi. And from there, uh, flew the T-2 Buckeye, an old sort of 1950s-looking uh, uh, twin-engine uh, straight-wing jet, uh, learning the sort of a more tactical aviation um, uh, you know, higher speed tactical aviation, and then from there you sort of graduate to a third aircraft called the T-45 Gossuck, which was our <clears throat> essentially the Navy's um, uh, advanced jet trainer and, and learning advanced uh, fighter and strike tactics. And then you CQ, you actually go to the boat, the uh, aircraft carrier, and learn how to carrier qualify on on that on that aircraft. And then I was fortunate enough to get a, uh, a F-18 slot and went out to Miramar, California, and uh, uh, flew, uh, learned to fly the F-18, and from there deployed uh, on uh, on the Carl Vinson uh, during opera- um, Operation During Freedom, and we did a uh, essentially, um, uh, you know, spent about nine months in the Western Pacific and supported um, essentially, you know, the the, the Korean and, and the Western Pacific AOR, <clears throat> and then came back, went to Iraq on the ground uh, and do, doing a um, doing a billet over there for about seven months and then came back again and then went back with my squadron and did a 
a um, uh, it's, it's called a, a UDP. Um, it's a um, um, it's a, a deployment where the uh, Marine Corps squadron will, a Marine Corps squadron will fly and essentially uh, support um, the West, uh, a, a base in the Western Pacific in Neokuni. Did that for about six or seven months, and then came back. Was an instructor at my old squadron where I learned to fly the F-18. Taught that for about four years, and then um, you know I, I knew I was it was time to it was time to get I just got married, and uh, knew that I uh, you know, certainly needed to focus on my family and our our uh, we just, uh, had a child on the way, so I decided to get out of active duty and um, um, essentially. Uh, went back to New York. Uh, my wife was already working in New York, and um, uh, was fortunate enough to uh, to be accepted to Columbia Business School, and um, uh, fortunate enough to get uh, an opportunity to uh, work for Merrill Gabelli at, uh, at Gabelli Funds. And um, uh, here I am now. I uh, uh, always had that uh, sort of that um, cursory knowledge of. Of, uh, of, biz- of business and uh, finance, and uh, was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, work as a as an analyst here, and portfolio manager covering aerospace and defense. So that's that's me. That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> All right. So I, I have to ask you now. Be be honest here. As you look back uh, over your time, obviously in the service, and then at Gabelli, which is more difficult: navigating the financial markets or, or, or flying a military aircraft? Uh, is, is, no, no question. Uh, navigating the financial markets is is is, is uh, much as no one likes a, a night carrier landing or what they would they call a night trap, which it, it is a very uncomfortable uh, experience and that really does get normalized. Uh, I, I much rather be doing that than trying to survive the uh, uh, these these financial markets in these times. But I, I really enjoy what I do. And it's a learning. I learn something every day, and uh, it's it's a you know it's a great experience, and I've been able to transition well um, from my previous life to this. All right, so let's get into the uh, ETF again, the Gabelli Commercial Aerospace and Defense ETF, ticker symbol GCAD. Uh, why don't you start by explaining your overall approach to this space, just in terms of what's going on underneath the uh, hood here? Right. And so you know, we, we um, historically, um, uh, you know, we we have. Uh, we look at um, entire sectors, so I, I follow the entire aerospace and defense sector, and you know, with that, I um, you know, we essentially are do fundamental analysis, ground up, um, bottoms up investing, and then we you know we're top down as well. So we, as, as Mario says, we look at the world through a, a microscope and a telescope, and um, uh, so you know, we we have compounded knowledge and. In, in certain companies that we have followed for you know almost forty to fifty almost forty plus years, and uh, we've we've sort of built a portfolio based on that and where we see uh, opportunities in, in you know in sort of the aerospace and defense uh, industry and, and and there's really there's you know there's a lot of secular tailwinds going on uh, right now in both uh, sort of sort of two separate but similar business, same businesses. Um, with commercial aerospace, sort of commercial general and business aer- uh, aviation, and then uh, the, sort of defense on, on the defense and space side. And you're, you're seeing, you know, on, on the commercial side, you're seeing, uh, you, know, you know, the growth in the, in the middle class and emerging economies essentially, you know, uh, over the next 10 years, 300 million um, uh, people coming into the middle class in, in India and China. And you know those people want to travel, and it's sort of the experiential generation. Uh, people don't want uh, don't want another car. They don't want another uh, house. They'd rather go and see the world and and, um, and you know spend their discretionary 
um, spending that way. And uh, so how you do that, you get, you got to travel, right? That's only sort of one way to get, get from A to B. And so you're seeing the, the growth there um, on that side, and that obviously translates to more aircraft, uh, essentially doubling the fleet from somewhere in the 25,000 aircraft currently to almost 50,000, um, you know, by, uh, by over the next 20 years. So um, you'll, you'll see that growth, uh, you know, along with just traffic, uh, traffic growth as well, uh, that's a growing above um, historic um, global GDP. Uh, so you're, that that's just a secular uh, change that's happening, and there's a lot of structural things within that of just of the um, the essentially the democratization of 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 uh, traffic and air you know air travel. You're seeing uh, countries um, you know essentially opening up their airspace and uh, uh, you know allowing more people to fly into it. Uh, obviously, more airports are being built, and um, the low-cost carrier model, of course, has done a huge uh, has been a huge benefit to uh, commercial travel. So, a lot of structural changes there. And then, on, on, and on top of that, on the defense piece, um, obviously, the world is not a stable uh, uh, place right now, as, as we're seeing in, in Ukraine and Israel, and obviously, the constant threat with uh, China and Taiwan, as well as uh, North Korea, and, and you know, and other. Um, you know, other countries like Iran, um, you know, put, putting pressure on uh, sort of on a global on global peace. So the days of uh, you know the the, the days of the post uh, post fall of the, of the wall and the Soviet Union, um, you know, dissolving uh, that peace dividend, uh, you know, we we believe is is essentially over now, and um, you know we're we're having to sort of essentially rearm arm back up, and uh, you're seeing that with uh, you know global global defense spending. Uh, you know, global defense spending is somewhere around $2 trillion. About $1.2 trillion of that is NATO spending. Uh, the United States, of course, is, the, is, the, is by far the, the, the mass majority of that, over $800 billion of spending. And, you know, and, and we're, growing, uh, you know, we're growing at about a 5% clip historically, uh, and that's probably going to have to be somewhere in that CAGR uh, going forward. In other countries that have been way behind, you know, on the NATO 2%, of GDP spend, that that's going to have to change, and it already is starting. You're starting to see that changing in, in countries in Europe, um, obviously in Japan, which is not a NATO member, of course, of course but uh, you know, they're a, they're a Asia Pacific partner, and you're seeing increases in, in spending. And uh, to get to that two percent target, that's about almost eighty billion dollars annually of increased uh, of spending just in just in NATO alone. Um, so you, you're, you've got a lot of secular uh, tailwinds, a lot of dynamics. And historically speaking, defense spending doesn't really go uh, with political uh, changes. If you know who, who's in the who's in who's in the White House, who's who has Congress, who or who has the Senate, that's historically not uh, accurate to what's changed the defense spending. Really, it is is global uh, instability. Um, you know, geopolitical volatility is really what's driven that. Uh, and then on both sides, of course, and the the the, the, uh, the downcome of that of, of you know after a post World War II, of course, obviously defense spending dropped as well as Korea, you know, Vietnam, and then um, you know the Gulf War and global war on terrorism. So right now you're seeing that going on the upswing. You're seeing a lot of volatility, and there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot of trepidation right now. So I think that's sort of where we are right now with the fund and. Uh, why? Why we like? Why we started the fund, and you know why we uh, sort of like the industry. 
Tony, just high level with the ETF itself, if I'm an everyday investor or advisor out there, how is GCAD going to compare to some of the popular index-based ETFs in the aerospace and defense Right. Sector? So we, we are actively managed. Um, so obviously, I, I look at the portfolio, and um, I, I, you know, I sort of I pick the stocks that, uh, which, which I think are going to outperform uh, based on our, on our research. Uh, so that's step one, and then step two. It's semi-transparent uh, using the Presidian um, uh, the Presidian um, uh, uh, model, where essentially we have a uh, you know uh, we have the, essentially the mechanics of how the Presidian model work allow the uh, Gabelli to maintain his proprietary strategy, um, and you know not essentially protecting that from uh, some someone just going in and just you know downloading what the what the buys and sells are in the fund, like a, a normal sort of a transparent um, index index ETF. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I, I did see that this is using the Presidian active share structure. What, why do you think that's important? Well, I think, you know, I think, listen, we're, you know, we're, we, we look at ourselves as, um, you know, we, we have a, a, you know, quote unquote, a secret sauce. And we, uh, we have a model that we think uh, we think works. And, you know, why would you just want to uh, just sort of give that away and allow everyone just to essentially, like most index ETFs, you know, that are um, uh, out there, you could just go and essentially download, um, you know, what, what, their, what, their, what the buys and sells are. So uh, essentially, and it's probably a little too uh, convoluted to get into, but essentially the mechanics of the Presidian model allow uh, allow the um, the fund to maintain its you know proprietary essentially you know its proprietary strategy or its its secret sauce similar more similar to a a mutual fund which you know does quarterly uh, 13, 13 Fs. Just a few minutes left here. I thought you did an early or an excellent job uh, earlier, just laying out some of the potential investment drivers. You, you talked about obviously everything going on geopolitically now. You talked about the democratization of, of air travel and just the uh, the increasing need for for uh, air travel, especially in some of these emerging market uh, countries. But if we go back to your military experience, I know this may seem a little bit obvious, but I would love to have you talk more about how that has informed your portfolio management views, for, right, when we're talking about sure. investing in this particular space. Right. And, you know, that's a, you know, that's a great point, Nathan. And, and sometimes maybe I just sort of uh, uh, glaze over that and, and don't think about it, but it's so intuitive to me. Uh, you know, I go visit, um, for example, I went and visited a company that we own, a company called Command, um, a few months ago with, with Mario and another teammate. And we go and they we go to their headquarters, which is also where their manufacturing facility is. And we, we look at their um, uh, some of their products that they have, and, and they they do these uh, they essentially uh, self lube uh, bearings. And these self lube bearings are essentially a proprietary uh, engineered product that they make. And they're you know they're essentially on every part of of most aircraft. They're they're uh, they, they essentially allow the a, a wearing. Uh, like uh, like a landing gear, for example, that opens a landing gear door. It uses a, a little lever, and it, it pushes against the landing gear door, and they to, to have that 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 uh, piece in between, so it doesn't wear down the door. There's this there's a self loop bearing that goes there, and I remember seeing these on my aircraft, you know, uh, for 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 years. You'd go and you have to do your pre flight inspection, and there they are. The command, you know, self loop bearings are on the plane that I that I flew, and, and that happens. I mean, every I, you know, we uh, one of the things you know, obviously we we do believe at Gabelli is 
to go, you know, visit, kick the tires, and, and visit the companies, and and you know, and, and go and see how these, how how their plants work, and, and talk to the management. And you, I, I can't tell you, I probably see, I probably see ten parts uh, every time I go visit an aerospace and defense company of something that I've actually flown, hmm. um, you know, and, and used on the jet, specifically on the jet that I flew. So it's it it really, I think it adds value to understand the. Um, the complexity of these components, and just the you know the, the skill set these companies have um, of of of, of the designing and manufacturing, and, and then supporting these you know uh, servicing these these components, and you really see the true value and um, you know what what goes into uh, what goes into building a, an aircraft or, or any kind of uh, aerospace and, and defense uh, type type of you know system. Well, Tony, with that, we're going to have to leave it there. Greatly enjoyed the uh, conversation. Really loved hearing your backstory uh, in in particular. Certainly wish you the best of luck on uh, GCAD moving forward. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Thanks so much, Nathan. That was great. Great speaking with you, and uh, hopefully I can be back and we'll talk some more. That was Tony Bancroft, Portfolio Manager and Research Analyst at Gabelli Funds.